What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us for another episode of the podcast. We're about to jump right into it. Today's podcast, we got Chris Jobman on again. And, uh, you know, per usual, dog training advice, expert dog training advice is what I taught, title almost everyone he comes on. Um, because when it comes to dog training, he is the man. So um, super excited for it. Uh, this one's going to be a little different. From time to time, we have Tim. Time to time, we have ones like this where Elliot's kind of going to lead the way. Um, his dog Georgie coming out of Flatlander Kennels, so definitely going to be a cool one for Elliot as well. So, um, but before we jump into that, you know, let's let's hit up a few updates. Um, but yeah, Elliot, I gotta I gotta tell you, I was just about to tell you we're, we're recording this podcast before we jump into it. Uh, I said I got to get to bed, and so. I'm not normally going to bed this quick, but I've started a new a new sleep schedule. And I think I mentioned this before. You, you probably we, we talked about it on Marco Polo, right? Not your sleep schedule. No, you normally normally you're like sending me messages at like 1230 your time. Yeah, it's no, like I'm, I feel like I can just contact you pretty much up till one o'clock. Yeah, your time. Most of the time. <laughs> that's that's right. I'm always staying up late. But here's the problem. It gets dark at night and it's still stinking hot. So I switched to my sleep schedule setting my alarm every day at 5.30 in the morning. I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning to work on the bus before work. Oh, man. You have way <laughs> more self-control than I do because <laughs> I don't know if I could get that done. Well, the thing like, is, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not getting it done. Like, when it comes down to it, I'm looking at my shrink in summer, the summer months, and I have, like, these projects I'm working on. And, like, um, the boat – like that stuff's turning along pretty good. I still feel like I'm on pace. The snake swamp, like I got, I'm working on like part three of that series already, going good. I've showed you the series; they look pretty good. You know what I mean? Like so, that stuff's coming good. And then there's the bus, and like for whatever reason, that's the one that's just the hardest for me to find the motivation because I'm like I'm working hard, I'm gutting this bus. It's hot outside, and like you just get you get home from work, then you get doing the family stuff, and then you get done with dinner, and it's like. You're just zapped of all energy. I can't find the energy to, <laughs> or the motivation to, to get out there in like eighty to ninety degree weather, and get inside the bus and start like grinding metal and, <laughs> you know. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, are you doing that in your garage, like with your wife trying to sleep with the new baby? No, I'm doing it outside. So, um, the first with morning the I did. The first morning I did, I, I, the baby didn't wake up, nothing like that. It's outside in the driveway, so it's still pretty close. And my wife's like, um, what are the, like, she's like worried about the neighbors. <laughs> yeah, are you out there with power tools at 530 <laughs> in the morning? I'd be pissed. I got man. a metal grinder just going. <laughs> the thing is, like, I need, like, a couple more days. And so as long as they can, like, deal with it for a couple days. And I feel real bad because we got one neighbor that's, like, right across the road. And they, they sleep with their bedroom window open. <laughs> So I can see it's oh, open. Oh man, what a jerk! <laughs> yeah. Like Dude, that old man with a lawnmower at seven o'clock in the morning. I always remember those when I was like in high school. There's yeah. like always some old guy with a lawnmower at seven o'clock in the morning, right by your window. That's that's pretty much me right now. Because like that metal <laughs> grinder when it goes, and it's five thirty in the morning. All you hear is like birds chirping, and like the, <laughs> the sun's just cresting over. And then all of a sudden, this grinder, just metal grinder, going. It's loud. So. I just need a couple. Honestly, I need like two or three more days and I'll be done with gutting it. So um, this is actually day three of the mornings and today I slept in. So <laughs> I'll see how good for you. see how it goes. The first two days I did get in there um, and I made some good progress. I mean, 
I got to get get out of there and get showered and get to work, you know, a little after eight. So I'm usually I, I get a good, you know, hour and a half to two hours. So. so do you and your wife go to go to bed at the same time? Or is so when you're staying up to like 12 or one, is she stay up with you or is she normally asleep when you go to bed or how does, how does how, what's that? Mean? I mean, it's been after you start having babies, like at the baby stage, like right now, my wife's schedule is pretty crazy because she, she, uh, you know, breastfeeding the baby and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, our sleep schedules aren't, are nowhere near, um, synchronous. <laughs> I hate coming to bed after my wife's already sleeps. because I feel like I have to like sneak into bed and be real quiet and I not move around. Or I'm going to wake her up. I, and then I can't sleep because I'm laying there like, oh, don't roll over, you know, and I mm-hmm. hate it. I hate it. Yeah. it's. I mean, honestly, with like the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial lifestyle, though, it's like, I mean, com- my sleep schedule compared to my wife, it's like there's a lot of times where I'll go to bed after and get up before, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I mean if you can do it with less sleep, then you got more time in the day. Right. So yeah. Um, so you're making good progress on the bus though. Yeah. Uh, I mean Sweet. now that wasn't before. That's why I had to kind of change it up. Mm-hmm. Well, good deal. Keep, keep putting those on Marco Polo. If you guys don't know, man, Marco Polo app is awesome. That's one of my favorite things is all the flyways collective guys talking on Marco Polo all the time. I just love it. Man, I get, I try to get, I do, I love it too. I'm glad Titus actually introduced it to all of us. Yeah. Um, but like, I try to get um, other people to get it, and like nobody, else, like none of my buddies will get it. They're like, that sounds dumb. It's like, like no, it's not. It's, it's great. It's like texting, but it's just, I mean, literally, texting is like the lowest form of communication. Like we have texting, yeah. and then people simplified it even more to have less letters and words and emojis and all that. So like somebody could say a sentence and you don't know if they're happy, mad or, or excited. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just the, it's literally the lowest form of, of communication. And Marco Polo is as close as you can get to like face to face interaction. So, mm-hmm. um, there's definitely some merit to that. I use it all the time. So yeah, me too. I'm starting to text with my wife with it and now my mom and it's just awesome. It's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you saw the, um, uh, new boat blind build. What'd you think of that? Oh, uh, that's pretty slick, man. I can't wait to see the, the full get up and, um, and hopefully I'll get a bid for uh window number four at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're working hard on the old boat blind bill. We got, I got a friend, Good old Charlie Radford that uh, basically, I mean, he's like, you want me to help you? And that was essentially him doing it, us standing around and trying not to get in his way. And the few tasks he did give me, I'd screw up on anyway. So Did you call him a golden man? <laughs> a golden man. Uh, but he's earned a lot of uh, points, I'll tell you that. He's earned a lot of points. So looking, we're excited about it. Yeah, it's looking good. It looks really, really slick. So um, definitely excited to see when those videos pop out. Yep, they're they were all filmed, so I need to start working on it sometimes. Every day, I'm just trying to go through with my videos. I'm knocking them off the list, just starting at the first one in the end of July and getting them done a little bit every day. Mm. Did you? Uh, did you? Um, I know you said. I thought you said you were going somewhere to sell your motor. Did that happen or no? No, we didn't. The guy backed out. Um, okay. We found out that one of the cylinders has a little less pressure. The the mechanic, my dad remembered the mechanic had told him that one of the cylinders had a little less pressure. And so when my dad told, because we're trying to be full disclosure on this motor, we don't want to rip anyone off. 
And so when my dad told the guy that, it just made me a little nervous. And so we're trying to, we got a call in with the mechanic and saying, you know, just to get a little more information about that cylinder. How volatile is it? How much problem is that going to be? You know, because mm-hmm. it's run two years. This, that part of the motor has run two years strong since he said that. So we just trying to get a little more information to make sure that whoever buys it has full information on everything. And then I'm going to list it again. I'm going to list it a bunch of places on Monday. So we're selling our Mud Buddy um, 4500 surface drive. So if any interested, we're actually selling it for... Um, we're starting out at 3500 willing to take offers. You can feel free to email me, freelanceduckhunting at gmail.com if you're interested in buying that motor. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, honestly selling motors. It's like any of that. It's kind of a pain, man. I had a guy mm-hmm. back out on me today, too. So I was supposed to meet somebody tonight and like I literally talked on the phone with him, everything like um, like he said, well, yeah, man, I'm going to go for it, all that kind of stuff. He's like, can you go? It was yesterday. Can you, he's like, can we meet tomorrow? Um, so we're originally we we're talking on Monday. I'm trying to get the, the the timeline right. And I'm like, no, I got my niece's birthday party on Tuesday. Um, let's do it on Wednesday evening. So all that good to go. Um, and I'm like, he's like, wow, oh. pretty much. He, he, he wanted me to like hold it for him, not to sell it to somebody else. I'm like, all right, that's fine just as long as I know you're going to, you know, hold up on your end too. And then I'm going to start drilling out the rivets of the center console and stuff on the boat. So anyways, I messaged him on messenger today, nothing. So I have his number still. I text him, nothing. I call him, nothing. Just completely ghost me after all that. And I literally, <laughs> I drilled the rivets out of my boat. So now I can't even fish with it if I want to. Like, oh while, my I'm, gosh. while I'm waiting for somebody else, I got this motor stuck on my boat. So, I mean, yeah. I, I could take it off, but it's like, yeah. So, that's a pain. That's annoying. Yeah. I don't hold them. I don't hold them. For, I tell them, I say, because someone said that one time to me. It's like, well, I'll pay you this much if you hold it. Like, no, I'm not I'm not holding it because on your word. Yeah. Well, I First did it because it was my fault. Like, he wanted to he wanted to meet on Tuesday. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I can't. So, he's like, well, can you just – and so, I have, I have like four other people that have messaged me. So, I'll sell it. It's just uh, a matter of getting that getting that off and yeah, getting rolling. So, well, on the boat that we just sold, because we bought that sixteen forty eight boat, and then we just sold it. But I had a guy say two thousand dollars today. I'll come get it, and I'm like, no, nah, the lowest I'm gonna go is two thousand one hundred. Nothing. Wouldn't hear about. It. It's like it's like you're that like a hundred dollars. Really, you're not yeah. even. He could have come back and back. How about twenty fifty? But he's like, oh, you know, I'm gonna cash today. I'll come get it. You know, yeah. I'll back. But I was like. Wow, that hundred dollars, man, that meant a lot to you. You could have at least been like, no, man, uh, two thousands most I can give you, but it's just like poof, gone. Like, okay. Yep. Well, he probably Whatever. just messaged the next guy that he's all motor. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably so. Probably so. <clears throat> so he just went down the. Well, I, I love on the Facebook Marketplace. You'll get is this item available? You're like, yeah, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Why'd you ask? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just they curious, were you? They just want to know, and then they go talk to their buddies, and their buddies are like, that brand's garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you get that, we're not hunting together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All righty, let's go ahead and get a quick word from our partners, and we'll go ahead and jump on to the podcast. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks. Uh, guys, if you hunt in no wind, you know that the water's going to be flat as glass, and it won't look natural at all. So the motion duck system is perfect for that. It sets up and, and goes down in, in literally minutes. You can sling it over your shoulder, 
and walk out or walk in. Um, super, super easy, and it just does wonders for putting lifelike motion all through your set on those no-win days. Um, they got the 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 normal spreader with four. I don't know if normal is not the right word. The basic. Uh, the basic. Single. Yep, the single, the single spreader, and then they have the ultimate, which has a seven, and that is my uh, spreader of choice. The seven ducks number seems easy to manage and gets all the ripples out there. Check them out, guys. MotionDucks.com. Use code DECKGUN10 for 10% off and free shipping. As I want you to go come over and join Jordan and I over at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash hunting. We've got so much extra content over there, and it's growing. We get comments and questions all the time. We do some extra podcast co- podcast content, and we're actually giving away a hunt. We're going to do a drawing in the late August, early September, and we're going to give away a hunt with Jordan and myself. We're actually going to pay some of your um, hunt trip expenses. So if you win the drawing, it'd be you and one person. So go and take a look at what we've got over there. Patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks out to Bandit Avery and Greenhead Gear. Um, Guys, it's the time of year. We're in off season. We're trying to uh, figure out our list of items we need. And I'm doing that with all my stuff from, from boats to decoys to camo. Um, and trying to spread it out so you don't have to, you know, first week of season and, and you're just emptying your wallet. So it's perfect time right now to hop on all that and figure out what you need for off season band. It's really the all one and all stop for waterfowl hunters from uh, this. They just got it all one stop shop. So check them out guys. Banded.com. Alrighty. Let's go ahead. And, Oh, we got on X Elliot. Oh, Onyx. I was just talked. I was actually talking to Charlie <laughs> about Onyx yesterday. We went out to IHOP and it's like, hey, build us an entire boat blind and we'll take you to IHOP. It was an even <laughs> equal trade. And so, um, but I was talking about one of the coolest features about Onyx, guys. I don't know if you have been hunting a long time, you know that 10, shoot, probably even less than that, walking in the dark. And through the woods to find your to find your hunting location was really really difficult. I can't. I, what I used to do is I would just have a compass, and during the daylight I would walk. If I was so we we moved our boat up the river a lot. We get out of our boat and we walk through the woods to find the marsh basically. And so sometimes in the dark the woods is a challenge. So I would use my compass and just do compass readings. And and multiple times we got horribly lost. In fact, one time I was trying to pull my little Karsten's layout boat through the through the woods, got completely lost. Couldn't figure out where I was, dropped my boat, went and looked, found the marsh, then I lost my boat. <laughs> actually, it's funny, I lost my boat in the woods, actually. So Onyx has this feature, it's this tracking feature. And so now when I'm scouting out my places and I know that I've got to walk through the woods to get to my spot at night, what I do is I go and I hit the tracking feature during the daytime and I walk from A to, to B and I save that track. And then when I go back in there in the dark, it's right there. It's just a little line. I just follow that line never get lost again for me that is one of the best tools and and that track is just saved forever so anytime you're walking through the woods in the dark you just got it you follow that line there are so many cool new features that onyx has that they're implementing all the time if you have not gotten that downloaded onyx hunt app you are missing out because you are going to be a better waterfowler with that app for sure awesome all righty let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. 
I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting. And our guest tonight is none other none other than Chris Jobman. He is the owner and head trainer over there at Flatlander Kennels. And honestly, he's becoming somewhat of a regular over here on the podcast. And honestly, one of your guys' favorite, favorite guests. Um, we can tell that by the analytics. So... Uh, we keep having him on for more of the expert dog training advice. So how are you doing tonight, Chris? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? We are surviving out here in the heat. <laughs> so we're getting after it. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely been pretty toasty and um, kind of <laughs> looking at the, the heat maps, especially out where you're at. It's, uh, you know, doesn't seem like we're getting any relief anytime soon. No, we were we were over a hundred yesterday. We were over a hundred today. I think next week it's supposed to cool down for us a little bit. But you know the dogs are doing just fine. And we got a pile of water out here to train in. Our water is nice and cool. Um, I think it's harder on the humans than it is the dogs. To be honest with you. So <laughs> for anybody out there that's training in the heat, be very very careful. Don't overdo it. Shut it down before the dogs get too hot. Especially if you live in a real humid area those dogs don't cool down very well definitely well, chris that was one thing i actually was dying to talk to you about how do you know when it's too much for your dog what are the signs you're looking for that your dog's getting overheated you know every dog is different um some dogs can handle the heat a lot better than others just like a human being and there's some dogs that you know usually the dogs that are real high energy uh, kind of um just not, I don't want to say neurotic, but just real high energy dogs and that work, they can work themselves up into a frenzy alone. I mean, it doesn't even have to be working. They're, they're already hot before they get to the line and when mm-hmm. they're trying to train. So those dogs like that, you want to do them right off the bat for sure. You know, a lot of those, a lot of the, the, the dogs are, you know, if you see any kind of stress on them at all, they're, you know, super heavy panting. Their tongue gets really, really big and wide and long. And they just, you know, they can't catch their breath. Because um, dogs can't, dogs don't sweat. So they don't, they, they can't, they, they, they regulate their body heat by their tongue. Um, if their tongue's real big, and, and a lot of times they'll like, instead of looking straight out, their head will be cocked up a little bit. You know, like they're just trying to get as much air as possible. Um, you know, they can look confused. Their eyes can get real bulgy and, and wide. Um mm-hmm. Stuff like that, and then, then if you start to see them, you know they start getting wobbly, and that can be trouble. And they start getting wobbly and stuff like that. And, and what people don't understand is, you can you can if your dog is really, really, really in trouble, you need to call a vet, get an air conditioning, get going to the vet. Because what happens is, you may think you got it cooled down enough, but if it overheated and collapsed, and it actually collapsed you're in deep trouble you need to get to the vet what people don't understand is they may that dog may be okay you know it may cool down and may be fine but what happens is is the internal organs of the dog get really really hot and you can start having organ failure because they overheated um so you got to be very careful of that stuff 
And how, how does water play into it? I know today I, I was working Georgie and I've moved into pattern blinds. And so I did, she did about five pattern blind retrieves and I moved her right over to the pond and she did about four over there. And I just got nervous and I wanted to work more, but I just got nervous and quit. When they hit the water, can you feel a little safer? Um, It all depends on where you live. Um, so if you live in a real humid, hot area that like a Louisiana type area or deep south, that water is like a bathtub. You yeah. can overheat them in the water just as easily as you can on land. Mm-hmm. Um, where I live, all of our ponds are, you know, a lot of them are natural, but we our whole place is irrigated. So I can turn on the water and I have fresh water coming into my ponds all the time. So oh, nice. our water is a lot cooler. It's not mm-hmm. a stagnant still water. It's, you know, fresh water. And that's, so that's a lot different. Now, our humidity isn't as high as, as the deep south. Um, the biggest thing you got to be really careful of is when it gets really humid and the wind isn't blowing, that's when you're in deep trouble because those dogs, even if you got them in the water, they start getting really, really hot and nothing can cool them down. Like literally mm-hmm. nothing. You can lay them in the shade, which helps, of course. But if there's no wind or no movement, it's just it's like a it's just like boiling them almost. It's so hot. And the best thing to do is if it's super hot like that and you see your dog stressing, get them in your truck or something in the air conditioning, get the air conditioning on them, or put them on a four-wheeler if you've got one of them, and just get some air moving on them um, when it gets mm-hmm. really, really hot like that. But you got to be really careful if, if even the water, and I know a lot of people will, you know, they'll train, they'll get them in the water, they think, oh, they're nice and cool now, then they'll put them back in their tent or their dog box. You're just steaming them in there that, that's yeah. super dangerous, actually, because then there's no air getting on them, that sort of thing. Now, if you have fans and that sort of thing, that helps a lot. Um, the biggest thing is just fresh water, but you got to be careful of the water. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's, it's a very dangerous thing, especially in the, in the deep south. Yeah, we're pretty humid here in Kansas, not like the south, but we have a pretty high humidity. Yeah, so it's something are, I've been really parented about. Down there. Yeah, you guys, yeah. well... It's, I mean, Omaha, Nebraska feels just like Arkansas. I mean, mm-hmm. eastern Nebraska and western Nebraska, where I live, completely different climates, completely different terrain. I mean, Arrington is completely different. So Omaha is, is, is super, it, it's super humid, just like on Arkansas or Alabama. So, so here's a question. So, so here's a question on it. So if they get to that point where you're, where they're collapsing, you're taken to the vet, I mean, um, I mean, is, is, is all lost or, or I guess, what are they going to do or what, how bad can it get? No, no, it, it's not all lost. I mean, what they'll do is they will cool them dogs down right away. They'll put them on, um, uh, IV, IV liquids. Um, they'll put ice packs on their bellies. They'll, you know, they'll get, they'll get them cooled down, um, as quickly as they can and, and get that core body temperature dropped. Um, you know, you can even, your dog can even overheat in their kennel. Like, they have to have good shade. They got to have some air movement. They got, if you have a really wound up dog that does a lot of pacing or spinning or that sort of thing, they can overheat themselves in their kennel. So, mm. Dogs aren't like human beings. Dogs, you know, a human being, if I'm out there working and I'm, I'm super hot and I get lightheaded, I know when to stop, right? Dogs aren't like that. Very seldom do they stop until it's too late. So you, you've got to be really careful, even in a kennel. The biggest thing is shade, 
and fresh water, get some air movement on them, you get the fans going on them, that sort of thing. And in our dog trailers, you know, they're built, they're built for dogs, right? They're, they're built for housing dogs, transporting dogs. They, they're, you know, they're insulated. They keep them cool. We got fans. We actually add extra fans in our trailers, in our breezeways. We put big box fans in there. We put those turbo fans in there. We get generators to run it so you get air moving through those through those trailers during the day. And we got shade up in the whole thing. Um, the biggest thing is, is if you think your dog is, is in danger, you need to get to the vet. And you need to and, and when you do that, you need to call the vet. Say, hey, listen, I think my dog is overheated. We are on our way. Because every minute counts when, when that happens. Every single minute counts. And you need to warn them that you're coming. That is great information, something I've been thinking about a lot lately just because I don't know what signs to read. I, you know, I got – I postponed Georgie's um, – first hunt test from june to july just because i wanted another month to work with her before i try that for the first time but then it's gotten really really hot and it's just been something i've been worrying about like crazy she just seems to start that heavy panting so quickly and she's such a high driven dog retrieving i mean she's always full gear and i just am having problems reading the signs so i go out and do like six retrieves and stop just because i'm scared about it you know? well but that's the thing you, you just you gotta stop when you're ahead you know Here's a lot of people you, you, you got to understand is, is a lot of times if you're out training and you get frustrated or like, Hey, listen, you're going to do this and you're going to do it right. And you get frustrated and you're like, you're going to do this and you're going to do it right. So they keep going, keep going, keep going. Well, the next thing you know, it's too late. The yeah. biggest thing is you got to know when to stop, cut your losses. If you're having a bad session, you just got to know when to stop, cut your losses and get out of there. Cause too many people are, you know, they're stubborn too. You know, we're all stubborn in our own way. And you want, and you get frustrated. You're like you're going to learn this today. Well, mm-hmm. that's not the day to do it when it's real hot like that. Yeah. Um, you know that's 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 a dangerous situation. I've seen dogs go down. Um, it's it's a. I've seen dogs go down in competitions. Like they're you know you're running a hunt test and your ego and your pride get in the way, and your dog is out there doing you know you know he's on a gut hunt for a mark and just hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting and you're like i'm not going to handle this i want to pass this test and you're like mm-hmm. i've seen dogs go down the field and it's dangerous and, yeah. and what is happening is is sometimes the judges will, will tell you hey enough's enough but a lot of times you know they don't and that's up to you to do and your pride gets in the way and, and the dog goes down and then you're in trouble so um you just got to be careful when it comes to the heat for sure so just general statement with Georgie. So with the pattern muzz, I've been doing three at one place and then three retrieves in another. Do you think I'm stopping too fast? I know it's, it's kind of probably difficult. To I know have with, no but it's 95 degree day. Yeah. I just have, have to read the no dog, idea. right? I have no idea. I, I, I can't tell you that I'm not there. I don't know what the heat index is. I don't know how he yeah. reacts to heat. I just have no idea. Like I said, we have dogs in our kennel right now. We got 85 dogs here and there, when we go out and train our, you know, our bigger or more advanced dogs, we have to run. There's about four dogs that we have to run right away because they just run hotter than, than, than everybody else. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's anxiety in their heads or they just run hotter. And so we've got to run them first because we can't do that in the heat of the day when it's a hundred, you know, mm-hmm. and where we live, 
is, is we're a little bit different is, you know, down south, you can't train all day long. It's too hot. It's too humid. The water's too hot. You know, and they don't have a whole lot of breeze. You know, that and the humidity is real high. Where we live, it's over 100. Don't get me wrong. It's extremely hot. And, but our water's really cool. We usually have a breeze. And we put them in the shade under the trailer, and they're, and they're fine. I think it's harder on the humans than it is the dogs out here. But we've been doing it for so long, we know how to deal with it. You know what I mean? We know how to get in and get out. So right now, we're literally doing water work, water setup every single day. Just, just to keep them cool. Well, um, I would love to hear all about the grand and how I know that was uh, in March, April, which uh, month April, I think April, I think. And I know how, how many grands are there a year that you attend Two. there's a spring and there's, there's a fall spring and a fall. So basically we, you, you guys just got done with that. And now was there a grand the previous year or did they cancel it because of COVID? They canceled the spring grand because of the Rona. And then they had the fall grand. And they canceled the Master National because they were scared of the Rona too. So, But they did have a fall grand. So can you just kind of explain to those um, listening that don't really understand what the grand is and, and what the qualifications are for it? Kind of what is it and... How did how many dogs did you take this year, and and how how did it all turn out for you? Well, we'll just kind of start, you know, how we started in the spring. So we train all winter long, and in late February we moved the entire kennel to Texas. Um, we went out just west northwest of Fort Worth, down on some friends' property and stuff, and we moved the entire kennel. We had 70, 70 dogs down there four trucks and trailers, all the employees, everybody. We built airing yards down there. We did the whole thing. So we literally locked the doors of the kennel and we moved. And we got down there to get out, get in some good weather and get, get rocking and rolling on our on our test season and the young dogs and get them going and, and that sort of thing. So it's like a little doggy boot camp, which is was fantastic for us. Uh, we ran a lot of HRC tests down there and did really well. But um, – and then, so what we did is we trained down there the entire time. And then the grand was in April. So when I left for the grand, my guys loaded up everybody and they came home. And so they came home and they started training here. And I went to the grand with it, with one of my helpers. And we, and the grand is a, um, is, and I'm, I'm sorry that anybody's in there that's listening. It's a master national person, but, and I, I respect the master national a lot. Cause I run that a lot. I mean, we were, we were in 30, almost 30 dogs in a master national, but the grand is the hardest hunt test in the world by far, hands down. It's not even a question. And sometimes it's the setup. Sometimes it's, you know, how it's judged, but it's a, it's a very hard, hard deal. I mean, they, they typically pass 12 to 20%, um, wow. you know, out of 800 dogs. So, do the math. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it is, it is statistically the hardest, hardest hunt test in the world. And, and how, how many dogs do you say? 80 to a hundred, 80 to a hundred dogs. You said 800. Oh, okay. There, wow. was eight, right. there was 800 dogs in this. I think there was more than 800 in this brand. This was the biggest brand ever. It was huge. Um, oh. It was huge. And, 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 and 
it's very difficult. It, it's judged, you know, so like the Master National is supposed to be six series of Master Tests. You know, they're not supposed to be any harder than a normal Master Test, um, but they're looking for consistency. They're looking for a dog that can keep it together for eight days over six series, right? So it's just kind of looking for a consistent dog. The Grand is a, a different level. So that you get your finished title, which you get your HRCH, the grand isn't five series is a finished test. The grand is a completely different level above finished. And it's not even close. Um, marks are longer. Um, trains harder. It's judged harder. Dogs are expected to do, you know, better. I mean, there's, there's no leeway at all. And it's just a different level. And so now, that is, is it still three marks in a blind or is it uh, more than that? No, it's typically you'll, you'll, you'll run two land series, you'll run two water series, and you'll run the fifth series as an upland. And it's, it's okay. typically it's typically a triple, so three marks and a blind. And you're and two of those series are going to have a triple and a blind, and there'll be an honor, and then there'll be another triple and a blind, there'll be a diversion bird. So those are the four series you go through, and you can only literally handle your dog to the area on one mark in those four series. And that's it. Um, wow, it, it, it's difficult, and, and you gotta mm-hmm. understand something. It's a lot harder to mark too. So, in, in an AKC version of the world, you know they call and they they quack in the field and they shoot a gun, they shoot a popper gun, and they throw a mark. So the dogs are sitting at the line. They hear the quack. They see, hear the boom. They see the bird. At the grand, they do an extremely good job of hiding all the guns. And you're sitting on a bucket. You blow a duck call. You got your little shotgun with your popper load in it, and a bird just comes out of nowhere out of a bush. And it's a lot harder to mark that way just because there's nothing that gets their attention in the field. They have to Mm -hmm. look down your gun barrel and see the mark coming out. So it's a lot harder to mark that way, too. You know, it's a little bit. So they just have to know to watch your gun. Yeah, they have to look down your gun barrel and kind of look on the end and watch and see a bird come out. And, And, you know, the marks at the grand are. They can go up to 200 yards. And I'm going to mm. tell you, until you see a 200-yard bird out of a winger that comes out of a bush, it looks like it's 400 yards. It's, it's a much different deal. It's a much different deal. But um, And I respect both games. I respect the national. I run that a lot. I really enjoy that event and, and the grand. And, you know, we passed nine dogs this year in the grand. Um, I made my 40s fourth grand champion i believe wow 44th yeah 44th grand champion um we had a good grand uh, we lost a few dogs that i didn't think we were going to lose but that's just the grand you know like i always tell mm-hmm. people is, is you don't have to have good luck to pass the grand you just can't have any bad luck and you know that is running you know we run it you know it could be dark you know it could be almost towards the dark the dog the bird's not seeing the bird you know dogs aren't seeing the birds or they don't see a mark or the wind shifts or there's there's a lot of things that go into passing the grand that are completely out of your control there's nothing you can do about it and if you just gotta put i always tell you better put your big girl panties on because it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough one just deal with it you gotta have some thick skin when you start playing this game but there's, like I said, there's, um, we passed nine, made our 44th grand champion, which we're very proud of. 
Um, I think I have six or seven going for their grand titles this coming fall. So we're happy with that. A bunch of a new baby dog is going to be around the ball grand for the first time as well. We're really excited for that. Um, and what do you have to do to um, – what all do you have to do to get your title? So, so, so run the grand, you have to be an HRCH. You have to have your finish title. And once you get your HRCH, you don't have to qualify to run the grand anymore. You're qualified to run the grand anytime you want. Um, it's not okay. the national national. You have to qualify past some of the master test in a, in a year, and then you get qualified to run the master national, but there's only one of those a year. So, once, so in, in the HRC world, once you get your HRCH, you're qualified to run the grand anytime you want. And how do you do that? How do you get that? You got to, so you're getting ready to run Georgian season, right? So yes. you didn't run started. You didn't run started. So you need to have four season passes. Since you didn't run started, you need four season passes to get her HR title. And then after mm-hmm. you get your HR title, you'll need four finished passes to get your HRCH. Okay. And then you can play with the big boys if you'd like. So out of your nine, how many dogs did you take to the Grand? We took 19, I believe, or 18. 18, I think 18. And I, I can't remember. 18, I think, is what we took. Yeah. Um, so we, we passed 50%. So uh, the, I think the pass rate, I can't, I, I'm sure somebody listening to this knows it, but I think they passed 20% this year in, in the fall. Okay. In the spring, I mean 20%. So. Um, so did you feel pretty good? Is that kind of what you expected going in? Um, what, what I, actually expected to, I actually expected it to do a lot better. Um, we had some, I had some really, really nice dogs, you know, very veteran dogs that, that didn't pass. Um, and it, it really wasn't any fault of us or, or the dog. They did a great job. They just ran a bad time. They missed a bird up wind or the wind quit. It just was, was just a bad deal. And you just bad luck, you know. Um, but what we did do this spring that I was super proud of, we passed a bunch of baby dogs that were, it was their first grand. Mm. And um, so I was really happy with those young youngsters that came in and passed that thing. Um, those bigger dogs that I'm, I'm talking about, um, they're going to get it. I mean, a lot of, some of those have one grand pass already, so they need another pass to get their grand title. And it's going to happen. They're too good a dog. But I was really happy with our babies. And probably one of the proudest things, the two proudest things I had this spring, was I, Shaker, who was owned by Nora Barth in, in Ohio. He's a British lab. He's 100% British lab. And he passed his second grand, so he got his grand title. So he is, there's not very many British labs in the world with a grand title. I think there's three or four at the most. Um, and he's actually a second generation British lab with a grand title. His mother was a British dog with a grand title who Chris Aiken trained. And so he got his grand title and he has a master national pass. So I think he's the only British dog ever to walk the earth that has a grand title and a master national pass. And what are your um, thoughts on either. that? Because I know the British dogs are kind of in style now for waterfowl hunting. Um, so what are your thoughts on the difference between the two? That's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> I would um, love to have that podcast. That's a whole podcast. I've trained a lot of British dogs. Um, they're different. 
they are they're a different dog um i'm sure there's british people are listening like no they're not well yes they are i've trained a bunch of them and, and they're they're nice dogs um shaker they can be you know a little bit more sensitive they can be a little bit more timid um they usually work a little bit slower um that sort of thing you have to you can't you know, you those big high power American dogs that you can really train and lean on, you can't do mm-hmm. that to them. Um, that's what makes Shaker a little bit unique is he is he's pretty tough. I mean, you can get into him a little bit, you can train him and he'll take it and he's like, Oh heck, my my bad, let's do it again. You know, he he's a very unique animal when it comes to that. So that's what you know, there's very few British dogs that that you know you know, so of the few of the hundreds of grand champions in the world there's only there's less than five british dogs that are that that are grand champions so you guys can do the math yeah so they're, they're just they're tougher they're just tougher to train and that sort of thing um uh-huh. another thing we did this spring that i was super happy with is we passed a flat coat a male flat coat in the grand which he's owned by chris sprout from Denver, Colorado. His name is Cooper. They call him Super Cooper. He is a beautiful liver-colored male flat coat, and he's probably the best one in the country. If there's a better flat coat in the country, I want to see it. But um, that's the that's the second flat coat to ever pass a grand. Huh. The other one, I've never heard of thirteen years the thirteen years ago. The other one, and he's the only male liver that ever done it. So we, I'm hoping to get his grand title on him, and he'll be the only flat coat to walk the earth with a grand title. Um, and he doesn't train like a flat coat. He is a, he doesn't care how long it is, how tough it is. He, he is an unbelievable animal. And that was fun to train him. I mean, it was such a rare thing to do. I was coming off of the Upland series, and the fifth, I had people stopping to take a picture with him. I've never heard thing. of flat coats. I'm I'm looking at it online right now. I've never heard of their beautiful yeah. dogs. And he's a liver. He's a liver flat coat. He's uh-huh. he is an absolutely beautiful animal. I mean, he is a gorgeous animal. But and he he runs as hard as a lab. He he takes the big water like a lab. He, I mean, he's he's he does everything that the big labs can do. He does them all. Um, what's their uh, a lot of times? What's the weight? The flat coat. What's that? What? How? How do they size up? Are they smaller than labs? No, this dog is—he's eighty pounds. Okay, um, he's a big dog. He's tall and leggy. He's really big. Um, and and Chris owns another one in the county, Finn. He's probably pushing almost ninety. Mm. And mm. he's—he just turned three the other day, and he's an HRCH master hunter. And he, before it's all said and done, he may be better than Cooper. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I mean, he's got two <laughs> unbelievable black coats. They've been, they've been really fun to train. Finn will so if someone asked you, if it. someone asked, if someone asked if they should get a flat coat retriever instead of a lab, just some regular waterfowler like Jordan or I, what would your, what would you say? You're, to you're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to get, you're, you're trying to get the American and British debate going. Now you're trying to get the <laughs> You are baiting me in. To, to get me in trouble. No, on on Facebook, anytime anyone says something, I want to say, well, Chris Jobman said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. You're getting me in trouble. 
if, 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 if you like, if you want a breed that's an off breed that's a little bit different than a lab, a flat, and then you like the longer hair and the look of a golden retriever, that sort of thing, then yeah, by all means, get a flat coat. Um, I will tell you, there's not, I've not seen many flat coats in the world that I would own, but I would own Cooper in two seconds. Mm. And he's that good a dog. Yeah. He's kind of my sure style. Beautiful. I mean, he is a beautiful animal. They kind of look but like yeah, uh, you want black a golden retriever. You know, if you don't want a golden retriever or you don't want a Chesapeake or a lab, you, know, you, know, you want to try a flat coat, by all means, you know, knock yourself out. And then you just got to understand when you train a flat coat, it's a lot like training a golden you, you or a Chesapeake or something. You just can't cram it down their throat. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to, you have to um, adjust your training style a little bit, a little bit when it comes to that, for sure. But no, we've had a good year. We um, we've been running really hard. Ryan and Andrew, my trainers, have been working their butt off, and we have eight people here. We've got a big staff, and been going crazy. Um, it's just now in the middle of June. We had I just did the numbers the other day, so we don't run started, and we don't run junior. And we don't run senior. We run basically seasoned, finished, and master, and then the grand, and then the master national. And we right now, the kennel's got 256 hunt test passes and 39 titles. That's very impressive. So I know you guys have a rocking, wall out we're there. And rolling. You guys have a wall out there at Flatliner Kennels that I saw that's yeah. full of green ribbons and silver plates and extremely yep. impressive what you guys are doing. Yeah, well, there. thank you. Well, thank you. And, you know, one thing about this grand that was really fun that that it was 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 probably one of the highlights of my career was um, Georgie's mother, Isla, ended up getting her grand title. Awesome. Um, and, and, and I don't know if you remember the story, if I even told you the story of Isla. So we have two dogs here at the house. They live in our house. Her names are, their names are Barley and Isla. They're, they're, they're chocolate labs and they are wonderful dogs. Um, they were owned by a lady. Her name was Faith Rothermill. And she was from Texas and she was a client of mine. And we became really, really good friends. And she didn't. She wasn't married. She didn't have any kids, but she loved her dog. So they, she put Barley and Isla in, in training with us, and they were probably with me a year, maybe two, at the absolute most. And she got really, really sick. So she got cancer, and it was a super aggressive cancer. She got really, really sick, and she, she got cancer. And she passed away, I'm talking four, maybe five months later. Mm-hmm. And what she did was she set aside some money for her dogs, and she willed those dogs to Eileen and I. And I, with the understanding that, because she asked me about if, if I would do this for her, and with the understanding is I would not sell them or anything like that. I would treat them like, like our, our own family, our own dogs. And we do. And her dying wish was for these dogs to run the grand and run the master national and get their, get all their titles and, and they, to see their potential. Right. So 
and to be bred together. She wanted mm-hmm. Barley Island puppies in the worst way. So she passed away. I promised I'd do that. Now it was my life goal to do this deal. So now Barley has three grand passes. So he's a grand herd trigger champion times three. He's a master hunter and he has a master national pass. And Isla, I just finished it. So she is a grand hunter tier champion now. And she's a master hunter and she has a master national pass. So when that happened, um, there was a lot of tears flowing when I came off the line of the fifth series. A lot of my friends know their, know their story. And when, when we got Isla's grand title, and I, I was ecstatic. I mean, I was, I had tears in my eyes like a big baby. It was, it was, it was bad. <laughs> um, it was like a mission accomplished sort of thing. So how many and years did had, it take you to, to accomplish that? Oh, I think it took four, I think. Four. I, yeah. I can't, I don't even remember. It, she didn't run it a whole lot. She ran, I think she's ran the grand five times. She's passed two. Mm-hmm. I've lost her in the four series of the grand twice. So it was so close. So she's ran it like five times, I think, and and, and she's passed it twice. But um, or five or six, I can't even remember. Um, it doesn't really matter. I I care less. But to fifteen, um, it, it is what it is. Grand title, is grand title. But um, and now we we have bred them, and um, the first litter is doing phenomenal. We so we bred barley and Island. They're doing. Phenomenal! They're, they are fantastic animals, and and Eileen and I kept a puppy out of that, and we named it Faith after Faith. Oh, that's and cool. She is doing phenomenal, and we're we're getting to re. So and I look getting a little bit up there in age now, and so now we are repeating that breeding with Barley and Isla, and this will be her last litter ever, and we just we just bred them last week, so that was it's kind of a neat story that nobody really knows about. Um, I'm not here to brag or toot my own horn or anything. I just thought it was an interesting story on, on, on those dogs. And, and it was one of the highlights of my career, honestly. I've been doing it for 20 some years and it was, I was, I was pretty emotional when I went that out happened, actually. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. That is, that yeah. is a great story. That is a great and story. And Flash got his second grand pass. So he needed some, a few points to get his grand title and he just passed. Two weeks ago, he got his last point, so he's a Grand Hunter Shiver champion now. So, so Georgie's mom and dad are now Flash is a Grand Hunter Shiver champion, Master National, or excuse me, Grand Hunter Shiver champion, Master Hunter QA2, qualify all these two dogs. He has a Master National pass, and Georgie's mother is now a Grand Hunter Shiver champion, Master Hunter with a Master National pass. Well, I, I so her pedigree to bragging. Her pedigree just got really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is that is cool. Yeah, I love I love keeping up on how they're doing. And um, yeah, I was on your website today. I, I I for some reason Flash fascinates me because you talk about how fast he is, and Georgie's he's really in- really fast. He's I'm sure he's probably yeah. not. She's not probably as fast as Flash, but I mean she's really fast. So. Sometimes I'm just kind of looking around, seeing what I can find about him. And I, I saw the picture of him on your website. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful animal. That oh, he's is. a monster. He's a yeah. great dog. And he, and, and he throws. It's funny. So that litter that Georgie came out of, um, they're all doing phenomenal. 
There's one in Texas named Linda, listen, Linda, that is doing fantastic. She's going to get her master title here, hopefully in the next month or so. She's an HRCA. She, she ran the grand. Um, she didn't pass it, but she's just barely two, you know. And um, all the other ones that we have, they're all running finished and getting ready to run master pretty soon. So that whole litter with that flash island was was it was a phenomenal litter, actually. Um, well, that's that that was that was a really good litter. Are those puppies all really fast, like Flash? Yeah, everyone that we I have seen um, are really, really, really fast. Yeah, yeah. Georgie cer- certainly good. seems that way. She, I mean, it's hard for yeah. me. I know she's the fastest dog I've ever had. It's I don't when I don't have see, have access to all the high caliber dogs you do, but she's certainly the fastest dog that I've ever hunted with or or hunted around for sure. So. She's an amazing, amazing little animal. So as I've told you, I don't have her in the grand, <laughs> but I'm going yeah. as best as I can. Like, you know, as you know, this is the first dog I've really put lots of effort into. My other dog, I would just wanted her to be steady and bring me the birds back. And actually, she just, we had to put her down a couple months ago, which was a rough one. But this is the first time I've actually put lots and lots of effort into it. And I've never even thought about doing any of the hunt test stuff. And as I got researching it and talking to you more, I thought, well, that would just be fun to try. So I, I signed yeah. up for one in June. And then as I got, I was, in fact, actually, actually this weekend. Um, and a couple weeks ago, I was trying to simulate some of the season hunt tests that I had seen on YouTube. And I she was just... She was struggling, I felt a little bit, and I just got nervous. And so I thought, well, why don't I give her an extra month? So what I would like is number one, um, and you don't know you haven't seen her, you haven't been around her a lot, but um, so to your best ability, do you think that I'm okay in starting her in a season? Or or some people have said no, start them and started just because and work forward. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I I tell you what, if it was up if it was me, I would run her and start it first. Mm-hmm. I would I would run her and started. Um, I would get your ten points. That way, you only need three season passes for your season title. Mm-hmm. That way, if you if she doesn't pass one weekend on one of the tests, you have a, you have you know you have a little bit of a bobble and a little bit of room in there. So you know instead of doing three weekends, so if you if you go straight to season, you need four passes for a title. So if yeah. she fails one of those, now you're now you're looking at a whole nother weekend. Yeah. Um, but but where you've never really been to a test or ran a test or anything like that, I would I would if it was me, I would run her and start it first. Okay. Um and then I would enter her in season when, when she's ready. Um and and started maybe really, really trivial trivial for her, but it would be good for you. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. it started you can hold on to the collar and, and let them go, you know what I mean? So mm. don't think you know, go to a test and say, well, I'm not going to hold on to her. I'll shoot the gun and she'll be fine. Don't do that because <laughs> they are dogs. And if she breaks, she's out. Yeah. So if the judges are going to let you hold on to the collar, I would hold on to the collar. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's why I keep hearing from people is that because I went to and I watched a test. There was one um, close to me from the Kansas city HRC club and I went and watched it and um, I watched the started and the season and the finished and I felt like my guess was 80% of the time she would pass the season. But I keep having people tell me your dog's going to act completely different than you've ever seen because it's a different environment and you just don't know what to expect from your dog. And then as I got into kind of 
the practice trying to set up practicing. One of the main things I'm worried about is her seeing the birds and following my gun, uh, just because yeah. it's difficult for me to simulate that. So that's my big concern because she marks really well. I'm, you know, as far as being steady, I would be shocked if she wasn't. But like I said, people keep telling me that it's a you know, dog. Like you said you don't know, but it's not a problem that she has, and she's always steady. Um, whenever I work her and, but, um, and having to handle her, maybe uh, my fear would be, she wouldn't see both marks. And so I would have to handle her too much. Yeah. So, well, she, she, she should be running cold blinds. She should be running, uh, you know, if you're going to run season, she should be running a really nice, you know, 75 yard land blind, 75 yard water blind. I know Mm -hmm. season you know, the limits are 40 and 60 or whatever they are, mm-hmm. but she should, you know, you should be working on, you know, hundred yard blinds. If you're going to run season, that dog should run a really good 75 to hundred yard land and water blind. Um, yeah. Because I mean, why would you just run a 40 yard blind? I mean, train to a higher level mm-hmm. than what you're going to go run. Um, yeah. You know, and they got to swing with the gun a little bit better. They got to look down the barrel. They, and then if they don't see the mark, they don't see the mark. You just let them go get the one yeah, they, yeah. they see. Let them go get the one that they see, and then line her up and try to send her and go get the one that she didn't see. And she and you yeah. have to handle her to it, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, and I don't know. So I, I have don't just know, re- I don't know anything about her. Yeah. Well, I've gone through. I've just moved her into the pattern blinds because I've been on. So before first season, I had worked land tea, and I didn't get into water tea. I mean, I was just trying to go through the whole process. I've been like, just go slow. There's no reason to try to rush this. I've never, I've never trained a dog to this level before. So just take your time and go slow. And so during the season, her hand, her handling broke down a little bit. She just started going the wrong direction. Um, just kind of, she, she was locked in. Well, I think it's here. And so during the season, I just stopped. And so after the season, I went back to forced to pile and I I'm following Freddie's videos. So I did forced to pile. Then I did land T double land T moved into water tea. And then as soon as I started to try to move her to where she didn't already know where the piles were, her handling, she, she started going and we're going to do a whole podcast on handling and casting, but real short. So she's just, when I get her into a new setting, I I can't get her to fully trust me. She's like, "I'll, I'll send her to the right. And she may be, she may turn to the right, go three steps to the right. And then go wherever the heck she wants to go. So she's turning the right direction most of the time, but she's just not following. So following you're nowhere it. near close. You're nowhere near close to ready to run season. Okay. I'm just telling you, I'm being very blunt. Your dog, That's good. your dog, your dog should be through pattern blinds and running a nice cold blind, 75 yard cold blind at least mm-hmm. before you even try to attempt to run season. Yeah. Well, when I'm, because when I'm working I, with I her, I can, do. I can, Almost 100% of the time, I can get her to a 75-yard cold blind. I can. But it may take quite a bit of time. But I, she always gets to it. But she's just yeah, not. It's not the time. It's not the time. It's not the a number of casts. It's the number of cast refusals you're going to get. If you start yes. racking up five, six, seven cast refusals, then you're out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you're out. And that's what I'm getting I mean, too much of right now. Yeah, and so and so you're not even running cold blinds, Dave. If you're if you're still running pattern blinds, you're not even in the cold blinds. 
Well, I have tried to go to coal blinds and then I find myself going, okay, stop, go back is what I've done. Cause I, I, I went to the point where I was trying it and I'm just like this, I've obviously gone too fast. I'm, I continue to go too fast. There's something I'm missing here because so I keep backing up is what is my goal. So as soon as you, it's not simplifying back up, simplifying back up. Yeah. So here's the thing that you're going to run into is you're going to go to this hunt test and you're going to fall in love with this thing. It's going to ruin your life. And (laughs) you're going to go to this hunt test and you're going to love this thing and you're going to get her season title. You're like, heck yeah, I'm going to get, I'm getting finished title now. I'm going to, I want an HRC eight. And that's, and trust me, you're going to do this. Yeah. If you don't do the steps right and, and do it thoroughly and do it right and run season when they're, when she is ready and she's running at a higher level than what you're going to test at, Mm-hmm. You are really going to struggle when you get to finished because yeah. you are trying to get through your season title. You're like, I'm just going to give it a shot. She may or may not do. It. I I get that. And, and if your goal is season, that's it. By all means, go knock yourself out. But if your goal, no, is I would, li- I would like to get her through finished. Yeah. So then you just you need to put her in. She needs to have all the tools in her toolbox to be able to handle that. Mm-hmm. And, and what you don't want to do is go to a hunt test and she's not prepared. And then she doesn't have a collar on. She's not prepared. You get a bunch of catchphrases. Then what you start doing is you start making them test wise. So when they go to a hunt test, they do whatever they want to do and you can't control them. Mm -hmm. They know they're at a test. Which I saw some of that at the one I went to. I saw some walk of shames that people had to make walk and clear out to get their dog. And I don't want to be in that situation. Well, it happens to everybody. Heck, it, yeah. it, we had to go out and get a dog runner master test the other day. One of the best dogs in our whole kennel. He went out there mm-hmm. and blew up, and, and Andrew had to walk out and go get him. Yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic dog. He's young. He's too super excitable. And he just he just lost his mind out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that just happens, you know. And you're going to run into that. But what I'm trying to tell you is, you need to if your goal is finished, then don't rush season. Okay. Like, if your goal is finished, then maybe slow way down and run season this fall. Um, maybe not go teal hunting for the first four days and maybe run a season test before you start hunting. I know that's blasphemy, but <laughs> and here's and here's what I'm going to tell you, and I've said this before in this podcast, I think, is, is not every great hunting dog can be a good test dog, but a good but a good test dog can be a great hunting dog. Mm-hmm. So if your goal is to get finished tile, then you need to think about that when you're hunting as well. Mm-hmm. If that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. And I feel like for during the hunting season, I did a pretty good job of focusing on, on her. Um, yeah. Especially in the department of being steady, um, honoring other dogs that the hand signals were going pretty well at first, great. but it's, as as soon as she was obviously having problems with it, I just decided to worry worry about it off season. So I feel like yeah. I did take the time to. I mean, there was times she went through about a four or five hunt stretch where she decided she didn't want to be steady anymore. So I was going and picking out the bird, picking up the birds, and yeah, that's and, good. And after about after she figured that out, she was steady. I mean, most of the rest of the season, and then towards the end of the season, she started doing a little bit of creeping on the land when we were hunting on the land. Yeah. She did some creeping stuff, but yeah. I felt pretty satisfied with her for the most most part through my through my eyes. Uh, yeah, well, I, I will tell you that 
the control that you're going to have to have on her at a finish test is unlike mm-hmm. anything you've ever done. Um, and when I say control, I'm talking everything, walking to the bucket, sitting down, shooting the marks, not creeping, not moving, not barking, not whining, center on a blind, no cast refusal, no whistle refusals. I mean, mm-hmm. the control that you're going to have to have is something like you've never, you've never had with her. And yeah. the more that you put, the more the situations that you put her in, that you lose that control, that's harder to get back when you go to a hunt test. So, you know, when you have, when you have your kids, it's like going to Walmart. You know, you're there at home, they're little angels, they don't talk back, they don't really cry, they don't, you know, they, they're good kids and everything. But you go to Walmart, and they know you're not going to whip their butt at Walmart. And they want a yeah. toy, and they start screaming and screaming and screaming. And, they, and you're like, Where do you, why are you acting like this? Because they know that you're not going to spank your butt. And at home, you will. So it's just mm-hmm. like a hunt test. The dogs, when they see that Holiday Inn Express sign, they're like, oh, hell yeah, watch this. And, and they know where they're at. They know they're at a hunt test. And you got to be careful of that. And, and, and put make, when you run your dogs, and anybody listening, before you run your dogs in those tests, make sure you have control on them because I can't tell you how many dogs we get into the kennel that were tried to be started by an amateur or other pros and they put their dogs in the test situation and they were so, they're so test wise and there's so many holes in their training. We're just, it's like training a water leak. You, 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 yeah. you plug one hole, it shoots out one side. You plug one hole, it shoots out the other side until all the holes are plugged. And that's very difficult to do. The best way to do it is don't, don't let any, any holes happen that you have to fix. Well, this process has certainly been from the time picking up Georgie to now has been a such a huge learning process for for myself going through it all, and I've really really enjoyed it. And one thing that's really difficult about it is that it's just you know I mean I can get on Freddie's site and look at the, the videos and everything, but when I'm out there training the dog, it's just me. It's me who's never done it before. I need someone. Yeah. I'm trying to train the dog. I need you there training me. <laughs> you know, what I mean, yeah, he's just trying oh, to yeah. feeling it out in the dark, but it is fun. It is really the dog. Really fun. The, the dogs are the easy part. The humans are the hard part. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. But it's um, it, it's and I hope you do well. I would if I if it was me giving you advice, I'd probably hold off. Be honest with you, because if she's not running cold blinds yet, um, I, I would be a little bit worried about that. Yeah, I think that I'm with your advice. That's what I'm going to do because yeah, I mean, I, there's no reason. I guess there's a little bit of pride. My dog's not started, you know. Just uh, you know, but I want, I do want to get her through finished, and I want to go about this the right way, and I don't want to go out there and horribly fail and you know i post i'm going to be posting this video on youtube and have everyone heckling me about it which is <laughs> well you're so, the glutton for punishment if you do that that's your own fault yeah well that's what you got to keep it real <laughs> you know i am what i am I, i've never yeah. i've never tried to train a dog to this level and and yeah. I, i'm i'm putting in the time i can tell you that it's not a lack of yeah. effort but it's just a learning process you know and yeah it's, well, it's really rewarding yeah that's the thing is is it's a very rewarding deal when you do it, but and and the biggest thing you know, and I give a lot of seminars throughout the year, is is people's egos have ruined more dogs than any e collar in the world because their egos take over, and 
they they just they just can't take it. Um, they, you know, they they live vicariously through their dog, and, and their egos get in the way, and it, it just ruins the dogs. You know, it just it just ruins them. So don't let that get in the way. Well, appreciate the advice. I know you said you had to jump off here at this time. Would you be willing to come back? Because I really would love to do it. We did a deep dive. If you haven't heard him, guys, we did a deep dive on e-collar with Chris, which was fantastic. We did a deep dive on force fetch. And I would love to have you back on and just do a whole thing on hand signals and start to finish. What do you think about that? Yeah, we can do that. I'm not no problem at all. It's going to be a little bit different than how Freddie does it, but this is how mm-hmm. we do it. And I think you can learn, we can learn something from everybody. And um, I'd be more than happy to talk about that. Have you ever thought about putting out any kind of uh, videos or stuff of yourself? <laughs> I've been asked that a lot and I'm not a big, and I'm, and I'm not a big Facebooker or social media guy or anything like that. Like, um, I, I don't, I have, and I haven't. So back in the day on Facebook, if you go on our, on our on our Flatliner Kennels Inc. Facebook page, back in the day, and I and I have a ton of people. Every time I go to hunt test, they ask me if I'm going to start doing them again. I used to do a thing called Dog of the Day, and people loved that, absolutely loved that. And I thought about starting that series again. And what it basically was was we we would put it with one of our sponsors, so we would do like a sport dog brand Dog of the Day, and then I would say, okay, today we're going to use you know, Deke, Deke is a, you know, he's a hunting retriever champion. He's a master hunter. He's owned by Tom Roth in Colorado. And we would do that. And I would, it would be a setup and it would be, it wouldn't be on, it wouldn't be live, but it would be how they ran the setup. And I would talk about the setup and I would talk about the pitfalls of that's going to happen in the setup. And we run the dog. And if the dog gets lost or gets in trouble or gets a correction or screws up, we run it like we're training. It's a, just a training setup. And then once we're done with that, I try to talk my way through the setup. And then we talk about, you know, why I got this correction. And if they screw up a mark, we may repeat it. And that's all on the videos. Mm-hmm. And if you go back in the, you know, over the years, there's a bunch of Dog of the Day videos um, on Flatliner's Facebook page. Yeah. You know, we did them on Swim By and all that stuff. And I've had a lot of people ask me to do them again. I just, I just haven't. I just haven't done it. We are so rushed for time during the day to get everything mm-hmm. done that we need to do. And I just, I just haven't done it. Yeah. Well, I wish you had, cause I'd love to be watching. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can go back and watch them. There's a whole bunch of them on there. I'm sorry. What'd you say? There's a whole bunch. I missed that. What's uh- that? I think he just he said they're up there. Um, still, if you just oh. have to go back and and search them. Yeah, yeah, they're on the Flatliner oh. Kennel Facebook page. They're, they're still on there, but they're I haven't done one in a long time. But there's a bunch of there's a bunch of videos on there somewhere. Sounds good. Well, Jordan, I think we better honor his time. Yep, awesome. Well, Wrap we really up. appreciate you coming on again. Absolutely, uh, guys. Yep, it's always great, full of knowledge. Um, feel free, go ahead, drop drop uh, where people can find you. Um, obviously. Uh, been on here a few times, but anybody new, so go ahead and just let them know where they can find you. Reach out. Yeah, to you. Um, you can find us on our website at, at FlatlinerKennels.com, or we do a lot of stuff. But we don't do our website updates very often. I'm I'm terrible about that. But you can find us on Facebook, 
Flatlander Kennels Inc. We're on Instagram um, and all that stuff now too. So TikTok, um, we're doing we're doing some of that on a little bit of everything. Um, and you can just find us on that. And we do some updates. We do some training scenarios and stuff like that. But just find us on that. And my phone number's on there or email. Just get a hold of me if anybody has any questions. Awesome. Alrighty, folks. I'm Jordan Duck and Chronicles. Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting and Chris Jobman from Flatlander Kindles, and we'll see you guys on the next one.